Miller. On this week's episode, we host the superintendent of sports turf at Mississippi State University, Mr. Brandon Harden. This is one of the best episodes we've recorded. Um, it truly was just an awesome experience to get to talk to Brandon about his passion for sports turf and how his story is similar to mine and it's just incredible to listen to how passionate he is about sports turf and where his practices lie and how sort of the development of his career started at Mississippi State and he's been there ever since. Um, It truly is awesome to see such a incredible sports turf manager discussing different aspects of how the group of the SEC head groundskeepers are all tight-knit and really just out there to help each other and it's just it's great to hear Um, we dive into different aspects of his job different aspects of his career uh, discuss synthetic turf and how there are different battles that are fought uh, between natural and synthetic and how it plays a huge role in what we do as sports field managers and what the future sort of holds in all of our careers and how we continue to develop and maintain some of the best natural grass playing surfaces in the world and there are those who just don't see it like that at all and we discuss how there are so many different opportunities to really bring to light what sports turf management really is to the youth of America and how it is an incredible opportunity to get out there and be in a career where you're outside and not just stuck in a cubicle for eight hours a day and truly love what you do. So it's definitely an episode you don't want to miss, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the 37th episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller. Uh, we have an incredible guest on today. Uh, it is the head sports turf superintendent for Mississippi State, Mr. Brandon Harden. How you doing today, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. So you and I, I think it was San Diego. I think we first met uh, at the banquet. Uh, I, yeah. I remember I got separated from my group and I was just at a random table and I started talking to you and I was like, oh, Mississippi State. I wonder who, if he knows uh, Tyler Brewer and... Uh, who was my boss at the time. So um, you are Mississippi State man through and through. Uh, career, uh, you've been there how long now? Oh, man. Uh, so came here in 01 as a freshman. Went through the turf program, of course. Uh, graduated here and left and went to Baton Rouge at LSU. Was actually a an assistant or I don't remember what we called it down there. We, I had a lot of, lot to do with the practice football facility and the old Alex Box Stadium. I helped out a lot at the box. And then the assistant job here came back open in 2008. So I've been back here full time since February 2008. Now, I was Bart Prather. Uh, some may still know that name. Some may not. He, uh, he was here for probably 15 years prior to me. I was his assistant for like six of those. Uh, before he he moved up, he is now actually the associate director of Campus Landscape. He has he is tasked with a lot more now. So he's got a fourteen hundred acre campus versus you know thirty forty acres of athletic fields. 
but he is still my direct boss. Um, and then once he moved up, I was fortunate enough to step into this role and have been here since then. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much a rundown of my career history. Absolutely. Um, one thing that's the reason we sort of created this podcast was we have students who are listening and whatnot. Um, could you sort of talk about your time? And we had Dr. Munchaw on, like I said before, um, <laughs> could you sort of speak to your time in the program and maybe some different things that the kids would like to know uh, if they're interested, in maybe attending Mississippi state one day? It's not easy. I don't want them to think it's easy. Now, that's not to scare anybody. I tell kids this all the time, high school, college kids, you know, we get a bunch of transfer kids here. Um, it's not easy. The curriculum is not easy. It's a science-based career. So it's going to be tough on you. It's going to be time restrictive. You're going to have a lot of classes that have labs. Everything we have science-based has a lab. So it is very, it is a very tough curriculum. And here's the second part of the, the scary part that they don't like to hear. If you're doing it for the money, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. You know, Leo Gertz, who some people may know of him, some people not, the younger generations don't know of him, but he was a huge mentor to me. He was always a phone call away at Texas A&M. He always told us, and, and stress to us that we have a job where me and you right now are sitting in an office. I couldn't stand to do this for eight hours a day. I couldn't do it. I mean, I could not do it. I couldn't do it. I hate it. I despise computer work. But in the times that we're living in right now, it's kind of necessary for me Amen. to communicate, Amen. communicate like this. So we, we might do. But Leo would always stress to us that we have a job. We are privileged to have a job and fortunate to have a job that by the end of the day, work shift, whatever you want to call it, you can actually turn around and look behind you and see what you've done for the day. If you can't, then you didn't do something right. You know, so that is the biggest thing for me. And I know I'm probably getting on into a question later on, but the biggest thing for us and these kids, and especially my assistants now, is we can see what we've done step by step, day by day. And, and the biggest thing for us is if you don't do that, you can really see it. So um, that is one of the biggest things I harp on to our kids, students, assistant, people, you know, even, even just people stopping and asking and saying, look, it's not easy. It's very time consuming. But at the end of the day, we can see where we are. And, and, you know, of course, our fan base, everybody's got a critic. But the kids that we service, they are our customers. And that's the only way that I teach my kids to look at it. They are our customers. Now, in our circumstances, are the customers always right? Probably not. That's just part of it. You know, I mean, if you go to the grocery store, the customer's always right. But if you come out here, these 18, 22-year-old kids, some of them, yeah, most of them, yeah, but a lot of the time, no. Uh, but they are our customers, and we are obligated to them to give them, in our circumstances, the best surfaces that we can to protect them and to not make them not worry about the surface. You know, when I was in high school, I played on a goat range. And that's one of the things that led me into wanting to do this. Washed up athlete, you know, can't play anymore. So let's go be around it. And then I fell in love with this and here I am today. So I know I just spit a lot at you real quick, but. No, absolutely. I love, I'm, I'm same thing. You know, I was a college baseball player who wanted to stay in baseball, you know, and 
I found my way to the New York Mets two years after figuring out this was a thing, you know, and uh, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, just if the industry was more visible in a way, you know, there'd be a lot more people who in our circumstance, Hey, I want to stay in sports. This is a perfect way to do it. Cause again, I can't stand desk work either. It's driving me up a wall still. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I can uh, yeah. So you were talking about sort of uh, with everything in your education. One of the big things that Tyler used to tell me when we would work together was your work experience during your education. Could you sort of speak to your time on the grounds crew while you were in school and how that played a role later on in your career and uh, better preparing you for jobs maybe, or even just just having that work experience on your resume. Could you sort of speak to how significant that was for you? So I will shoot you, I will shoot you a picture here in a little bit. I don't want to take time away from our talk to, to do that, but there's a picture over my shoulder right here. And it is of when we put the M over S, if you look on my Twitter page, my, my picture is the M over S that we burnt into the grass. You know, it was excruciating. It took us forever. But like I said earlier, we looked back and saw it and it was all worth it. But that group of students, we were kids. We were kids then. That made such a legacy for us, that one project. And the fact that our bosses, which the the assistant superintendent when I was a student here is actually over at the practice fields right now doing some work for me. He owns his own business. He got out of the college side and he's a contractor in field construction, which he is one of the best I've ever dealt with. We're great friends. He's actually over there doing some work for me now. He's in that picture. He's the one that taught us how to do that. And that I was leading that up to say it's people like that that let us as students. If you look at that, Tyler Brewer, myself, Chris Fondren, Ryan Story at Vanderbilt, Jordan Treadways in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, who else is on there? Brian McNeil is at Ole Miss. Hey, got Ole Miss. Uh, yep, and that's all of them. And then, of course, Bart Prather was the head man, Charles' assistant. We were the students. And so that leads me into telling you back then. I've got four full-time guys. Now, yeah, I'm still the bottom of the SEC as far as manpower versus acreage and budget numbers. But we always – we're expected to do more with less, and we always have. Now, back then when I was a student, there was five or six students, one assistant, and, and Bart. I, looking back, I don't know how we kept everybody satisfied in the field safe because, I mean, you know, recruiting wasn't 365 back then like now, but – how we did it, I don't, I don't, it boggles my mind. Maybe that's why I got so many gray hairs, but you know, and, and my four assistants now, they're just like, I don't have enough time. And I look at them funny and they're just like, what, what is that for? And I was like, you don't have any idea what the time restrictions are, you know? So that experience made us into what we are. That was probably the best crew to come through this place as far as success going on to the next level. When I, I mean, three of the three of the people in that group are SEC head sports turf managers, myself, Brian McNeil at Ole Miss, Ryan Story at Vanderbilt, Jason Smith is at Florida, uh, Darren Seabold is at Tennessee. So we've got five out of the 14 schools, Mississippi State grads of this turf program. You know, that speaks volumes for, for the school in itself. Uh, that's not counting, like I said, Jordan Treadway is at Jupiter, Florida, hosting two major league spring training, you know, teams in the same facility. And I mean, that's where I did my internship. I mean, Jordan and myself both did our internship down there. It's unreal. Unreal. If I can, if I can tell your kids, 
if there's one internship you don't want to miss out on, go see Jordan. Go down there, spend the summer. If you can catch spring training, it's unreal. If you if you can't, at least spend the summer with the Gulf State League and Florida State League, whatever all that is now, and and get that two teams in one facility. You talk about wear and tear on the field, two teams in one facility, that is – there's no off days. Absolutely. For the, for the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or you, you know. And we won't we won't talk about gray hairs. I'm I'm 26 and I'm almost all gray. It's bad. It's just not. not Dude, I'm I'm 39 and I've got a 19 month old twins. That's where these are coming in. So, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Congratulations. A little, Thank little you. delay. Thank but, you. Um, yeah, it's all right. Thank you. With what you were just sort of talking about, all the guys that are in the SEC schools, and I I was sort of curious because again, coming from an ACC school and sort of knowing all sort of, again, learning who's who and meeting people. Um, you guys are extremely tight-knit. And I, I obviously probably the fact that you all were Mississippi State at the same time plays a huge role in that. But even past that, past those five guys, there's still plenty of people that I think the SEC comes together a lot more when it comes to groundskeepers. You know, could you sort of speak to what the per- why that happens and how it, it really is beneficial talking throughout your conference to have that sort of camaraderie uh, as a group? So it, it's hard to explain, Drew. It is hard to explain. I came into it. I didn't have any part of that. I just stepped in along with, you know, 13 other guys pretty much. Uh, Leo Gertz, like I, I mentioned earlier, and Mr. Bob Campbell. Uh, he was at Tennessee. I don't know if you know of him. Bobby Campbell was yeah. um, he uh, he was there for years. He is uh, he is another one of those. I've got a, uh, a quote from him on the on the back of our door when we walk out every day. Bobby was one of those that he didn't care if you put a pattern in a field because that's not what we're paid to do. He said, but they don't give you a raise if you got an extravagant pattern. But his quote on the back of our doors, we leave the office every day, and I printed out big bold letters for my kids to say that we work in an environment. And it says, let me make sure I got my door closed. But it says, I think he kept saying, he would say, we work at a place that people come to to have fun. Meaning the fans come to our environment to have fun. The players come to our environment to have fun and to compete. And we have to remember that. And that that helps us, especially my kids. They see that and some of them ask questions about it from time to time. Others don't care. But it's the truth. We work in an environment. And I have to remind myself that all the time. We work in an environment. Yes, it's very stressful. But we have to. We work in an environment where people come to our environment to have fun. And I get people all the time saying, "Hey, man, I would die to have your job." Yeah, you would. Sometimes, sometimes you would. You wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. But come on in. That's what a week. See how it goes. That's right. And that's that's with every job and career choice. I mean, that's not just us. But uh, you know. The camaraderie of the SEC, like I said, it's really hard to describe. So, Leo, Bob, I came in as an assistant. When we first – when I, my first year was at Farm Links, okay, we went over to Farm Links. Everybody did. We did a little bit of discussion. We had a few class sessions. But the rest of the time, that's where people don't understand, the rest of the time is spent discussing not, not only, Drew, discussing, but venting, ranting. Hey, my coach did this. My coach did that. Oh, yours did that? Mine did too. 
you know, we practice on the game field. Oh, you did too. So it's this the relationship because we all go through the same thing. And it is just completely different in this conference it, <clears throat> with workload. And, and we all know money is the root of all evil. Uh, the amount of money that brings in adds stress to the coaches. When coaches are stressed, it rolls downhill to others, then to us. So, so you're, you know, you're getting in the whole big ball of wax where that stress comes in. So we get together, play golf for one afternoon. We have classroom discussions on new products, new this, new that. You know, the big discussion this year with COVID was um, graduation on the football fields. You know, I was lucky that we didn't have that here. Ole Miss did, Auburn did. I think I don't know if Alabama did or not. Um, but there were a bunch of schools in the conference that had to host graduation and maybe several days of graduation on their actual playing surface, which is, you know, that's when we start losing sleep. Never fun. No, not at all. Anything on a field covering for yeah, more than more than hours. ten minutes is uh, kind yeah, of exactly. But the, with the SEC, we've got a group now that everybody has been there you know, a pretty good while with the exception of uh, Arkansas, Pat Berger, long time, you know, SEC man had retired this past, I think, November. Uh, so Jeff Four has stepped in in his spot, but people have tried to replicate our, our stuff and what we do. Um, and few have been successful and we've even tried and we've talked about bringing in other conferences, you know, three or four schools at a time every year to, to try to help them. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what works. But for some reason, it just won't, it won't expand like it has through ours. And, and I just, I don't, I don't understand it because at the end of the day, you know, some people, some people come into our group and it's, and look at it as a competition amongst ourselves. And it's not, it's not, we're all trying to survive, keep our head above water. You know, we're, we're competing with mother nature and nobody else that, I mean, she wins, you can't oh, fight her. You know so, you know, that's that's a learning curve for new guys. But, uh, yeah, the, it's it's something special. It really is. I get calls. Jeff Simon, I don't know if y'all remember him. He was the STMA president. He's a good friend of mine. And Van Lu and all of us were talking on a, the other day in a group message and stuff. And it's uh, – we're actually going to get together and play golf this summer just because we hadn't had STMA. And we're not having our SEC conference for two years in a row. I need somebody to talk to. I'm tired of going home every day to the same place, you know. So, uh, I hear you. anyway, we're all going to get together this summer somewhere. But, uh, yeah, Jeff messaged us a couple weeks ago, actually. He was trying to talk to our kids. It'd be great. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, fantastic. So, but, yeah, the camaraderie of that group is uh, is special. And, you know, we, we welcome guests now. You know, we'd love to have people, uh, if they can come be a part of it, we'd love for them to be a part of it. Absolutely, and I think that's fantastic. Um Sort of sticking with Mississippi State, it I, and I've seen videos and I mean I actually so I use a video of yours from oh it was a while ago. You remember the checkerboard end zone? Do you remember the video they did when you did that on the the, the border outline? Yeah, the border. Yeah, yeah I got called five guys. Do you know old Jermaine yeah. Funny Guy, the guy that does all the stuff for Alabama? He does. He's all over uh, Twitter and stuff. Anyway, he makes it. No. He makes a video about Alabama football every year. He told me he said. When we played them that year, he said, what do you expect when you paint your field? It looks like five guys. I was like, no. Oh, no. There's a critic in every group, but, you know, it's uh, still, yeah. it was something different. So, Well, I mean, it's the it's the guy that's going against you. He's got to try and be a little rude, right? Yeah. It looked awesome. But that video I actually used sort of like as an intro to, again, college athletics and 
teaching the kids about the opportunity. Um, but with all of Starksville, what is it like down there and what do you love most about it? I mean, I, I've seen videos about the new baseball stadium and everything and the fans and everything. It's like one of the greatest experiences in college baseball. Um, could you just sort of speak to what it's like and how it, again, to you, it's been home forever, you know? All right. So I'm going to blow your mind. Starkville, Snow Mississippi. It. Starkville, Mississippi is a retirement community with a college in it. Sounds like Blacksburg. Do you know why that means so much to me? You know what I don't like? College kids. You know why? Because they can't drive. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, for for several months a year, Christmas break, and, of course, during the summer, this place is an absolute ghost town. So, we dropped 20,000 kids in population like that. Graduation and Christmas break, you can go from one end of town to the other in five minutes. Now, you know, right now you're doing good if you can get across campus in 20 with people not knowing where they're going. But anyway, it is a great Pedestrians place. Pedestrians are the worst thing at a college campus. Oh, absolutely. They just assume, hey, I'm going to walk out. You're not going right. to hit me. I'm like, I have a car. You don't know I'm not going to hit That's you. That's right. Mine. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, when I was in Baton Rouge, now, look, I loved my time in Baton Rouge. Great place to live little too big for me just because I am a country boy. You know, I grew up on a farm helping my grandparents and my uncles and everybody farm. So it was a little too much concrete for me. Now, you get out past it, it was okay, but a little too big a population. This this place is – and we actually – I married – my wife is from about 30 minutes north of here, a little old – you know, it's a really small town. And we built a house in between here and there because she's headed to Tupelo every day and I'm headed south, so it's right in the middle. Um, but the commute's – 20 minutes. Um, but it's a great place to live. Then you throw all of our college events into it. You know, Duty Noble Field, you can't describe the experience of it until you actually see it and been there. People, people find it hard to believe that we put 15,000 people in a baseball stadium. Yeah, you know, big leagues has a 50,000, 100,000, whatever. But this is a college team that plays on Tuesday and Wednesday that might have 500 people in the stadium and then turns around and puts 15,000 in there on Saturday. You know, they'll combine 45,000 people in three days of a weekend. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, A, that's a lot of eyeballs on the surface critiquing every little thing. And then B, when you walk out there on that hose or you're laying down a chalk line or you're doing anything, if you scratch your nose the wrong way, you're going to get seen. Or if you – I'm telling you, people people laugh at me until they walk out there. I've had guys come through, assistants, students, whatever. All right, hot shot, get out there on that hose. And it's a big SEC weekend. It's 95 degrees, and they go out there, and it looks like a zebra in that dirt. And, you know, it's not consistent. What happened? Man, my hand was shaking, and I couldn't control it. Oh, you were nervous in front of 15,000 people? You don't say. So no. <laughs> it makes a difference, and it, it it does affect us. You know, yeah, we get used to it. 
and and we you know we're friends with we make friends with a lot of people especially in those lower seats and you know it gets easier over the years i can blink and i can not blink at it now but you know some of these newer guys come through and yeah they get the jitters you know i mean it's it's tough enough, especially you throw a little wind in. You know how it is. You're laying down a chalk line, the wind's blowing. You got 15,000 people watching you. Next thing you know, and now everything's televised. Used to, used to, we didn't, who cares? You know, the TV's not going to be here. And then now everything's on TV and every sport. So we've got to try to be flawless in every aspect every day. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's, if, <clears throat> if you can ever get down here, you especially, or your kids listening to me, y'all take a field trip, do a fundraiser, come down for an SEC weekend game, and I promise you, you'll love it. And nobody's ever, even the opposing teams love it, and then they get fed. Our people in the lounge feed them after events. And then kind of the same thing in football. We do have one of the smaller stadiums. It's the second oldest stadium in the country. Um, and – it only put, I think we put 62,000 in it. You know, it's not Tiger Stadium at LSU putting 102. And, you know, it's not Bryant Denny at Alabama putting 100,000 in. That's just crazy. I'm glad it's not because that's just more people you got to wait, leave to go home, you know, because you can't drive across campus with that many people. So uh, our little school's got its perks. You know, it's, it's definitely got its perks. And living here in a small town is, you know, I love it. So sorry. Got to no, run you're run. good. No, that's that. That's, that's why we're doing it, you know. And uh, Brent's still sort of the same way. We're in a we're, what's the big four, uh, the public school division in Northern Virginia, and we have a thousand, and I think the average is like twenty nine hundred for the other high schools in our county. So, yeah, we 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 get what you're saying, and that's awesome. So, um. With that, could you sort of discuss your different facilities? You sort of were talking about like capacity wise, but if you could discuss sort of perf based thoughts, uh, what what are you managing? Uh, what kind of acreage? Um, what with the the stadium's brand new at baseball, right? Two years old, a year old, three years old. Yeah, this three is yeah, so, three years old. Yeah, we actually built the field in seventeen. The stadium was being we did it backwards. I I, I tried and I stressed, uh, you know, in the planning stages, the two years leading up to that. I tried to get them go. Let's go and build the stadium, and then let's build the field. But the way we ended up doing that outfield and making all those boxes individually, owners and all that stuff, we kind of had to do it at the same time, which put us finishing. We had it was three weeks before the season started, and we didn't have the synthetic down in the foul territory. So it was very, it was very stressful. As far as timing, weather, I had – I was running grow lamps and heat boxes and, and our irrigation boxes because there was nothing around it but gravel. And it was – you know, we had already gotten cold and all that. But anyway, I've got Latitude 36 on baseball and at the football stadium. Uh, soccer is still 419. Practice for Both practice football fields are 419. The work we're doing today where – uh, Coach Leach's administration, the staff that they brought in, you know, we hired Coach Mike Leach this uh, past year. The one thing that he has stressed, and we've had several conversations, the man is brilliant. He, uh, you know, he has a law degree, I think it is. He genuinely wants to learn things. I've never had that happen before where we walked the field one day and it was like the second or third day of spring practice. And we went out and we walked and he says, okay, I want you to explain this to me, but I, I don't want a generic answer. I want you to tell me why that does that. 
and we were talking about verticutting, top dressing, uh, aerating, the whole nine yards, and what it's actually doing when he wears that out. So what happens is he's got his layout. Every coach, especially at this level, has their layout scheme, their day-to-day, boom, boom, boom. We're going to do the same thing, same spot every day. We spent $1.3 million building these sand-based practice fields, football practice fields. We have a synthetic one next to it and then two grass ones. We used to have a fourth, but now that's a tennis complex. Uh, so as far as acreage, I haven't tallied it up what I've got anymore. I, it changes year to year, seem, yeah, seems like. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. when you uh, – he's got a practice schedule that it lays out inside of 57,000 square feet, which is the playing surface, right? He does that because he can go inside our facility, which is a full field, you know, uh, football field. He can go inside that facility, never miss a beat. He can go out on one practice field, never miss a beat. And here's the give kicker. He went to the stadium every Thursday last year, starting in September 1st, September 2nd, went in the stadium every Thursday. So we played, we had uh, whatever, two and a half, three hours of practice. And then we had a reserve red shirt, whatever you want to call them scrimmage following that so when it all broke down to it we were like 13 practices and i think 10 or 11 scrimmages i lost count regardless they were over there at the stadium thursday that's right in the middle of our paint week right in the middle of our paint layout so i had to adapt we had to move back we had to be done painting for the weekend on thursday because yeah i know exactly that's exactly the face i made when they told me, hey, we're going to the stadium every Thursday, even on off weeks, on away games, yes, we're going to the stadium. So, and keep in mind, that was COVID year, so it was already hard to swallow because we were starting so late. We played in the mid-December with the two back-to-back home games, which is in the south. It's very hard to do down mm-hmm. here on overseeded Bermuda. And we matched it okay. But, you know, the wear and tear from that – if we don't, I have a, I have a feeling he'll try to. It's just it'll it, over the course of a few years that moving from practice fields to the stadium is is kind of very it's it's very it's a lot of work for a lot of people, equipment, trainers, you know, for one day's practice. And I feel like they'll grow out of it. We'll adapt if they don't, but if they if they don't grow out of it, we'll we'll keep doing what we're doing. But I will probably have to change that grass because latitude is a fantastic grass, great football grass but it is very stolen heavy towards the top. So if you ever wear it down like they did to me, down to pretty much bare dirt in those certain spots, it doesn't have a chance to come back because it doesn't have the rhizome blanket underneath, just underneath the soil surface to actually come back. So I probably will have to change uh, change grass varieties, maybe to its sister grass, Northbridge. I'm, I'm kind of leaning. I'm doing some research on it in Tahoma 31. Um, Travis, my boy out at uh Kansas City, has got a uh, he's got Northbridge on, on he's got North on Bridge, his, yeah. and it of course he 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 oversees with fine fescue for color, yeah. Did you know that? Uh, I, I when he said that, I was like, really, what? I'm not sure, is it it's, fine? Very, it's very little, is it fine fescue yeah. or is he use rye? Yeah, well, both, yeah. But he puts fine fescue in because of the shaded area. Yeah, see, I used to do a blend. Yeah. I used to do an 80-20 blend with rye and then chewing red fescue because gotcha. if you'll ever look at our stadium, we've got a $7 million TV on the south end, 
that is literally 15 feet off the field. So when the sun, especially in, in the fall, when the sun gets down behind on that sort, you know, Southern side, we're, we're yeah. shaded for four hours a day out to about the 45 yard line. So it's, so that cheering red fish you would help. I kind of got away from that latitude actually handles the shade a little better. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you know, I've got two fields with it and then we're looking to renovate our softball field here in the next coming years. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on what I want to do, but to, to add some more to it, the work we're doing. So he wore out the practice fields too. And of course, that's what we want. Use them, abuse them. We will, if we got to spend money, we'll do it over there, but we want to make sure the stadium is, you know, ready to go from right. playability and st- safety standpoints at all times. Uh, and not only that, but for recruiting too, uh, it's got to be ready to go. You know, they take kids over there all the time. You can't, the bushes can't be a foot taller than the fence. And, you know, they can't, the grass can't be running over the concrete and stuff. It's got to be ready to go all the time. Uh, Coach McCorvey and the guys from Clemson are coming down to make a site visit, look at some of our facilities, grass types, stuff like that, uh, next, this coming Monday, actually. So, um, and that's, they're doing a lot of the same things I was doing. You know, you go, you lean on people that are, hey, hey what are you seeing? What are you not seeing? You know, what, does this work for you? You think it'll work for us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But throw you another curveball, the work we're doing on the practice fields from where you're worn out, we're going back with Tiff Tough. Just because those are certified 419 fields, the Tiff Tough is, you know, it's another Tiff grass. Supposedly it'll handle wear better. So we're going to put it in between the hashes. It's actually a penny per square foot cheaper. And it won't, you know, Outside of me and you and my guys, nobody ever knows the difference. No one's going to be able to see it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, except yep, for yep. the sidelines or the sidelines. Yep. So, you know, we'll uh, we're going to see how that goes. And and a lot of you know a lot of these kids and your kids watching, I want them to understand is that we don't here especially. They're not going to give me the money to sod stuff. They're just not going to do it. They expect me to do our job. You know. Now, we can't help if coach goes out there and just completely digs a sandbox and makes a, you know, a hole. There's no regrowing that. We all know that. Um, But at the same time, you know, we're expected to be able to recuperate a lot of those things given the stuff we know and what we do. But a lot of our stuff that what we do is trial and error and doing our own research. What works for me may not work for you. What works for you may not work for me, you know, and that's that. A lot of that, I hate to keep seeing the SEC baseball fields like Tennessee go to synthetic. Now, they are right in the transition zone, but I feel like Darren and them did a fantastic job up there with what they had, but these coaches get to make those decisions that are way above our pay grade. Um, yeah, but these newer, these, these newer grass types, man, I, I'm just telling you, there's, they're, they're, they're too – North Bridge is a, is a beast. Oh, they're all. Yeah, they, I, yeah. Look, I got a guy that called me, wanted a, a golf green built. He, so he built it in his backyard, and I helped him, walked him through it. He's about three hours from here. He walked it through, and he said, hey, I'm going to put Tahoma 31 on there. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, you can't put Tahoma 31 on that green. Well, yeah, I can. I was like, well, you can, but I just don't. Anyway, Arkansas has got it on their football field. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, anything that can withstand a football field, especially collegiate football, where you got 350, seven 350 pounders hitting them seven other 350 pounders in 40 feet, you can't, 
you know, it's crazy. Sorry, the bug in here. Uh, it's crazy to think that we can actually make that work and make that recuperate. But to put that grass on a golf green, he's mowing it at 155, and it's some of the best golf greens I've seen. I'm just like, there's no way you're mowing that that low. And he did, and he, I was blown. As you can tell, I was blown away. I was just, I was like, okay, it is unreal, the technology, and especially in the grass breeding side of stuff that we're, it, the market is wide open. There's so many choices that plastic should be way down here because it's cost-wise is way up here. When you can, you could resaw the field every year and still not touch the cost of that synthetic turf. And that's what these coaches don't understand, but they look at it as, I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to pull the tarp on baseball. Easy fix. I don't, yeah. have, to do I don't have to pay no you to do it. You know, so yeah. I I completely agree with you. It's crazy. I mean, it and with everything what you're talking about, we that's what we aim to do in our program. So we have we rigged our own practice. We sprig our own practice fields uh, with the land that we have. So we put latitude in. We put Northbridge in, which we're actually doing the Blue Muta now. And we have a space that we're putting in a Tahoma 31 putting green slash again, sort of fairway space, but just showing the kids the, the, the different types of turf and how they play in comparison, everything else we have is Patriot. Cause that was installed before my time. Ooh, but um, again, just see. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you gotta stay on top of it. It just scalps oh, like crazy. Well, Hey, that's latitude too. Now we're, uh, yeah, it's getting there. We, yeah. uh, you know, it's a process grass. You know, it's a it's a on game week at a football stadium. Yeah, you you mow it, mow it, mow it, and then wait two days before the game. You don't mow it. You know, but we're look, we're you're, you're gonna blow your mind here. We're June, July. We're twelve ounces a week of Primo. The more if we start scalping, we start we bump our Primo up, and I mean we're at a half inch. I mean we're at five hundred, four hundred up to 600 for in-season time for latitude. It does not like to be above 625. There's your trial and error. It took us a year to figure that out. We tried to be at our normal 700 to 750 at baseball. It didn't like it. It got puffy. It got inconsistent. So, you know, um, trial and error. But, you know, in some of these other grasses like Northbridge, it's not going to scalp like that. I mean, that latitude's exactly, all yeah. at the top. And I love it. Yeah, Northbridge is gorgeous. It is. They're all, you know, those finer. And I was a big 419 fan. And I don't know, yeah. your kids that are listening to us today don't, they have no idea when I say Mississippi Choice, which is, you know, Bullseye Bermuda out west in Arizona, was created here at the university. We had it on the football field. But, my goodness, uh, melting out, leaf spot was just, you couldn't like, it, it was, that was where, celebration is off of that Mississippi choice grass as far as in the same category of blade width, you know, it's a really, really wide texture blade grass. I've gone, I've flipped my total script on that. And then when I was growing 419, I was like, yeah, I can get it good and tight. You can't get 419 as tight as you can get latitude. I didn't think I could get latitude as tight as I got latitude It is. Yeah. It's unreal how dense it gets and which, you know, we're doing shear testing on, on their feet every week. And the, the wear spots where they, the quarterbacks would do their three-step drop every week is where it would start to wear out and become bare ground. 
we started losing shear. But even towards the last of the game, we were over 20 for shear in between the hashes on that latitude. So it's it's unreal how dense it could get. And that's why it and Tahoma can be put on golf greens because the nodes are stacked so close together that it can handle that mowing hot. So, but that's, you can tell, that's that's what I, I love trial and error. Some things work, some things don't. The research side of it, as long as you're confident in what you're doing, don't go way out in left field. You know, people won't have a problem with it. But, um, you know, you may stumble upon some. I've stumbled upon some stuff. I'm not going to mention some of them on here just because I don't want to <laughs> tell anybody my secrets. Uh, don't do that, yeah. But, uh, but anyway, you know, we do a bunch of stuff like that. And, you know, it, it would – that's the fun stuff for me, being able to figure out what's going to work for us, what's not going to work. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and I think that's – it's half the the fun in the job you know just seeing what trial and error like what what is it that's going to be the next thing you know like not like we're changing the whole thing but like if i can get an edge on this like you're saying like you're not going to say anything which is great but if i have that edge no one else does and they don't understand what's going on let's just keep working to create more edges and having more of an advantage you know so definitely uh-huh. definitely and i love it um with everything you sort of discussed earlier that it, when you were there, it was two people. Now there's four. You're, and it's not understaffed or anything, but like you're expected of more. What are your responsibilities? Um, I'm obviously, collegiate athletics is a whole different ball game when it comes to sports surf managers from MLB to NFL. And <coughs> thing. The thing that I loved about collegiate athletics, there's always something new. Any given day, there's never the same thing, you know. One day you're going to be working in the indoor or working on baseball, working on this. What is it that you can speak to your responsibilities and your crew and how they've sort of evolved since the time you were a student? That's, that's, you hit it. That is the exact reason what you just said. Why? All right. So our curriculum here is what? Golf and sports surf management. That, what you just mentioned, is the exact reason why I'm a sports turf superintendent and not a golf course superintendent simply because I, yes, I love golf greens. I do my own consulting on the side too. And I do all that. And I love golf greens. I can come in here used to, and this is back in the day, we would get a rotation. So baseball season, football season, you get that variety of different sports. So any given day I'm walking a soccer field, a baseball field, practice football field, synthetic and and grass, and then a softball complex, a track and field complex. Golf course managers, uh, golf course superintendents' biggest headache are tee boxes and driving ranges. You know what the hardest thing to manage on this campus is? Has anybody ever seen what a hammer throw does to a track and field? It looks like a horse mine just, I mean, just boom, went off. And, of course, we went two years without having one of those athletes on campus, and now we got, like, three. So, every day our track surface looks like – I mean, it looks like a war zone out there. And you, have you ever seen what that will do to an irrigation head? I mean, it will – Oh, man. It blows it up. completely down, you know. So, yeah. it's a challenge. And But the variety and the seasonal – it's not seasonal anymore. You know, John Cohen used to be our baseball coach, and, and now he's our AD. He used to tell us when we get – have conversations about different things. He'd say, look, there's the only relevance that the word season has anymore is deer season for Hunter Renfro. That's what he would tell us because recruiting and baseball and everything is 365 nowadays. Yeah, they've got a little bit of a break in there, but they got individuals, they got practice, they got recruiting, they got 
conditioning. You know, that's what people think, oh, baseball season's over. You don't see them again. <laughs> oh, no, that's not even half of it, you know. So same thing with football. Football reports back here in 10 days. I've got to swap out. That's why I'm going to be on a skid steer next week is swapping out their sand pit eight inches deep. The sand's got gravel. The pea gravel kind of came up from my root zone. They were going to spend a couple thousand dollars on specific shoes. So they'd rather me do it, spend a couple thousand on the sand one time, which makes sense, and swap it out so that they don't get rocks and stuff in their in between their toes and in their shoes. So they want to go barefoot. That's that's where they get their workout. But yeah, the conditioning, the you know, I, any given day. Now I hate office work. Now I find myself doing more of it in these last few years and budget planning and cost effective, especially with COVID. You know, we were all very fortunate here at this university that athletics see we don't work for athletics i work for facilities management which a lot of people don't know that it doesn't really matter uh because athletics funds our stuff so i i give them a budget every year off a of time estimated which if if your kids listening want to try to start from scratch and develop a budget off of a baseball schedule that hasn't been released yet a football schedule that the dates keep changing uh, manpower hour rates, insurance rates, you know, the whole nine yards. Don't it's forget Mother Nature. Don't yeah. forget Mother Nature. Yeah, and, and you can't do it. And if anybody comes in under budget, well, COVID's a little different. But, you know, it's very tough not only staying under budget, but coming up with a budget that works for everybody so that we keep our student athletes in mind. It's not me. It's not you. It's not them. It's not the coaches. We don't work for the coaches. And if any of them are watching right now, I apologize for saying that. But we don't work for coaches. Yeah, I take what you think and, and you know, want to tell me and shove down my throat into consideration. But at the end of the day, that infielder, his feedback to me on what this or that means a lot more to me. No offense, but it means a lot more to me and my guys, good or bad. I want both. I don't sugarcoat it. You tell me if it's bad, we're going to fix it. You know, same thing with football. Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald, these kids that came through in football, they were like, oh, why did, what does it matter what they say? It's huge what they say. Those were two very prominent running quarterbacks at this university. And if their footing, if they felt like their footing wasn't there, then, you know, it's up here. If they're thinking about the grass, they're not performing at the highest possibility that they can. Then it's on me. I tell my coaches all the time, say, look, I'm worried about it. I worry about it so that you don't have to worry about it. If you're worried about my job, then I'm not doing my job. And that's the way I look at it. So, um, but, yeah, it's – COVID made that a, a really tough year this year, especially the last two years um, as far as budget stuff goes. But, the you know, when you get down to the uh, evolution of our crew – like I said, I don't I don't know how Brewer and myself and we I, I don't know how because we we liked we had we had a college life. Trust me, we had. A well, good, I've heard the story. We <laughs> can tell you, look, we'll, we'll have to go to dinner one night and discuss some of the Brewer stories. Uh, I would love to. That would, that's gonna, <laughs> I'd love to hear your side. Of that's going to take more than an hour. You know Brewer. Yeah, oh yeah, it's going to take more than an hour. So. Um, but yeah, it was it was good times. I'm glad I had it. You know, I'm glad I had that experience, and that I wouldn't be where I'm at now without it for sure. Uh, so, absolutely. Um, 
something you were just discussing and it's become a bigger part of your job, obviously. What are you doing uh, or what is your thought process when it comes to creating that budget and understanding the different aspects, like you were saying, labor, different uh, products you're working with. Uh, again, you're always trying to figure out what's the next one that's going to be. It's a great product, but also it's cost effective to the point where you can put money elsewhere that you need, you know, um, and how how do you see sort of your, I guess, decision-making process sort of change over the years with say a COVID-19 pandemic hitting and you having to really prioritize certain aspects of what you're doing. So a lot of um, going back to the SEC, you know, nobody really got into the whole phrase mowing deal. Um, I was one of the first, I think Josh McPherson at uh, Missouri, they really got into it a year or two before everybody else. But that is the one process that I have incorporated into my program that makes all the difference in the world, especially on outside of this, outside of the university. Like I told you, I do my own thing on the side. It helps high school football fields and baseball fields. It's unreal and it's cost effective. Um, But that is the process. So as soon as COVID shut us down, right? Baseball season was canceled. I had my guy lined up. He was here two days after that. I told him, I say, look, it's only a couple thousand dollars. We'll catch it. We'll use our trailers. He shows up. He does it. Let's do it. We're not playing a baseball season. Let's use this time. Just prepare for next year. And, of course, they said, you're right. Let's go. And then, you know, a few short weeks after that is when I had to lay my students off. I actually didn't. I got them a job on campus doing something for campus landscape so that we didn't have to fully lay them off because I feel terrible about that. And then the COVID, you know, it's just a terrible situation. But when you start doing that process and that thinking on budget, you know, of course, my number doesn't change much from year to year, up or down, depending on scheduling and stuff like that. What people don't know about us is that, like I've told you, we're, you know, we're at the bottom of the of the conference when it comes to funding and staff. Now, I have gotten my staff. People keep saying, well, request more. Go on and get two more full-time guys. For what? So they can sit on their thumbs more? I was like, we've got a good thing going there now. Let's let's start investing in some equipment. Because, Drew, that's one thing we don't get. We don't get equipment. We bought, I think it was $96,000 worth of mowers. It was a rotary deck fairway unit because we were having to take care of eight acres of soccer for intramurals for Dan Mullen because he did two a days down there. So I'd have to maintain that all year long for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could, I could get extra money for my budget because I was doing that. So that's the way I looked at it. Um, but anyway, we bought those more. That's been six years ago. And what happens is you see this. I use the university as a little bit of bargaining leverage, meaning they want tickets for their vendor, not vendors, but their customers. You know, there's tons of ag, we're an ag school. So yeah, those guys are not predominantly Mississippi state guys, but their, their customers are. So I use that to my benefit. Hey, I'll swap you an off lease fairway unit in exchange of four tickets to football games. Oh, what? You got my attention. So not only did I do that, I don't have my other hat. But John Deere, Greenville Turf and Tractor, same thing. They've got a rep right here close. He's an MSU grad. 
they did the same thing. And I am forever grateful for them because when I was a student, we had two mowers, two. That's it. And one of them you couldn't keep between the mayonnaise and the mustard driving down the road. You'd hit the white line and the yellow line. The white line, the steering was gone. Could not, it, would, it wouldn't go straight. And we, I mean, we were releasing that thing. We only have, we only have the try, but we have, we have. Yeah, we, look, well, right now, so I've got a rotary deck. I've got two John Deere uh, real mowers and then two Jacobson. And the Jacobson is an 07 model with about 10,000 hours on it that, we use like if we mow and there's some cores left over or something that we use to bust up cores. Yeah. yeah no, Cause it no. blows a hydraulic line every time you crank it up. So, always um, good. Always good. but yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the benefit we've had to do. And I do that with our tractor company too, Wyndham tractor down in Philadelphia, big alumni of the university. I went to him and said, look, I need a tractor and I need a zero turn mower. I'm going to put you in contact with Learfield and let's, you know, let's work something out where you donate this. And of course, I ended up buying one of the tractors he donated me for a year because I knew who had it, who maintained it, who took care of it. So I bought that tractor for myself outside of the university, you know? So it, those kind of relationships are critical to myself in this university simply because athletics, it, we don't have the budget to put towards our stuff. I mean, that's sad to say, but we just don't have the money to put towards that there. And I don't, I've, I've tried putting them on a lease every, every, it seems like every three years I put the good numbers together and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then procurement comes back and says, no, nah, it's a misappropriation of funds. You would have to use the private money through the Bulldog Club if you want to do that. Well, that's a million dollar lease for four years. You know, people don't, they're like, ah, what do we have at the end of it? Uh, you don't have an parts maintenance bill that's astronomical because we're running 15 year old equipment you get another lease exactly yeah. <laughs> you get another piece of paper to sign that's right here's the paper you sign it don't look at the number that's right it. just don't you even know? ask a question just sign it just sign this line you don't know what's happening it's fine we'll so but they have uh have my relationships with know. them through the years has has really especially our ticket office and our bulldog club people. That's who we make that happen for us. Anything I ask like that, Hey, these guys need this. They're going to let us have this blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's been crazy. You know, not everybody has to do that. A, a lot of us in this conference actually do though. And some of it's, you know, people coming and just, they actually, you know, approach us about it or them. I have to go hunt it down, but uh, yeah. So do the heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. I think we did something similar tech with the tractor. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, it usually tractors are usually pretty common on that. I think our airport even yeah. does something out there for one, so that's pretty common. But real mowers are not usually something people want to part with for a couple hundred dollars worth of tickets. So our, our relationship <laughs> with them has uh, our relationship with these two companies is you know second to none. So. You think they do it for a hundred high school tickets? No. <laughs> Probably. Uh, uh, probably not. <laughs> the cost of the mower would definitely outweigh that. Um, so you sort of you spoke to it a little bit there. You have sort of a side business going, and I, what I want like sort of hear about is like what exactly you're doing specifically. The stuff you're doing is like it's the little things that high school athletic directors don't understand that if you do, your life will be one million times easier. You know what I mean? Um, so. And you actually gave a presentation at STMA on it, correct? Am I wrong? That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's why the last STMA we had, Michael Richard, who 
he's not here at the university any longer, and I, I've brokenhearted about it because we hit myself and him had made serious gains and strides with informing. I would go help him, and I would speak and do all these informational talks to Parks and Rec or high school coaches and and stuff. And you know, the last one at STMA we get, I kind of I was just starting, and when I when I did this. So I've just been kind of picking up equipment here and there, used equipment that I can find here and there. I bought a I bought a Verticor, like a 2004 model Verticor off of GovDeals from Iowa, the University of Iowa. I drove up there, met with Tony, you know, hey, go look at his facilities while I'm there. It was a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, to, you know, double up and drove eight hours, picked it up. Now I can I'm, I'm in a top. I mean, I'm, I'm in an air fire, five hundred dollars. I had to pay 30 something thousand for the one here. But now I can go, since I don't have any overhead, my local high schoolers, I've also got a slicer, I've got a top dresser. You know, I'm buying all this used equipment for cheap. So I'm not out of money, a lot of money. But I've got coaches, I've got probably 15 emails I can show you right here on my screen that are high school coaches. Hey, look, we're really low budget. Yeah, all of you are. That's why I'm doing this. I'm going to show you, yes, people have to make money. You've got to make money or you can't pay your bills and you can't work. But you don't have to break the bank to airify and top dress a field. Or here, this we need to phrase mow your football field. That's not Brandon Harden trying to make money. That's Brandon Harden telling you your kids need you to, to phrase mow an inch of this junk off the top of your football field, leave it smooth like a pool table, grow it back in over the course of a month, and your kids will love it. You you will probably it won't cost you bad plays or you know errors in baseball and stuff like that. But my goal with my side stuff now the golf green stuff is just Mississippi. The state of Mississippi is rich in one thing, and that is nine hole golf courses. There's one within thirty miles any direction you can stand up and look. Now they probably got an old retired farmer that <laughs> doesn't know. He sprays Roundup on the greens and sets them yeah. back six months and all that job, you know. So that's where I do a lot of consulting, trying to help them save a bunch of money. And you don't have to spend $20,000 on nine greens on, you know, chemicals and stuff a year. And I enjoy it. I enjoy helping people understand that don't not do it because of the expense. You can spend a couple hundred dollars, $1,500, whatever you want to say. It sounds expensive now. We all know that. But you can spend a couple, just say $2,000 and do something that you've needed to do for a long time. Or better yet, I can give you the numbers. Budget for next year. Raise some money. Do it. That's where I, when I come in, and I hate saying it like that because I don't want it to sound like I'm selling them on it because I'm not. I'm just making them understand that's not expensive. $2,000 is not expensive. $50,000 to strip until it is, you know? So do the things that are you're getting the most bang for your buck and let's go. Your kids deserve it. And people ask me all the time why I'm helping our local high school baseball field. I came in, I helped him. We fray, I didn't charge him a dime. I had, I let my guys, you know, my subcontractors make all the money. We phrase mode off his baseball field, shock waved it, and then I top dressed it for free. And I had no less than five other coaches calling me already this spring going, I don't know what you did, but that's the best surface. Went from the worst surface to the best surface 
in one year's time. I said, all we're doing is what you got to do, what you need to do. If you, you know, we can, we can erase three to five years of mismanagement in one pass with a phrase mark. As you can't tell, I'm sold on it. Not only here, but at on the high school level. It, it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. It's insane. I mean, yeah. it was funny because I forget who I was talking to, but it was at STMA and they're like, well, I don't know. It, it's a scary look. Like, you're like, oh man, that's bare. There's nothing there. I was like, yeah, but if you're doing it now in June, like right after the season's over, you got three months. And if, if you manage your Bermuda grass, right, it's going to be completely filled in within a month and a half, not even that three months until your football season, you know? Oh yeah. Well, so. and, it, and it's not only just that drew it's, it's bringing the awareness. And I've got a couple guys that hopefully this winter we're, we're kind of putting it when we can uh, during rainstorms usually. Cause I mean, it seems like it won't quit raining right now. Um, we're trying to put together a kind of a seminar based thing for local area high schools, parks and rec guys to do during the winter month to say, Hey, this is what you need to be doing now in preparation. There. Can you believe how many people did not know what I meant when I said, have you pulled a soil sample? Uh, yep. It's, and, it's, and they said, you mean, what, what do you, you want to know? Is there sand in there? I was like, no, have you run a soil sample? Have you had the whole nine yards? I was like, Fill up it, it a, a Ziploc bag with sand or with soil, just sporadically over the field, and bring it to me. And of course, they're and like, "Oh, and pH down in the fours." And I'm like, Ugh. "But see what you're doing. Good job." <laughs> no, and again, like we're we're trying to do the same thing up here in Northern Virginia. Is just uh, we've got the the uh, artificial turf bug going around everywhere you know like and i hate to hear it man it's it's uh, so we were worried it was going to happen to ours because we were next up but it's going on a practice field thank god um but i mean it's you know i was i was surprised i was broken hearted i I mean i literally wanted to throw up for him when when casey oh my gosh i wanted to go down there and punch the guy sorry don't do that don't no yeah yeah don't do that kids nine nine times he did the field and like you said saved on on millions they didn't didn't even come close to the number they were like at least five hundred thousand dollars underneath what the cost was of the one they put in after everything and it was yeah. it was double the time that he was expecting, you know. Like I I felt yeah, it was I felt heartbroken for him, you know. I was I was sick, you know. He went out of his way to do all that, and him and Chad Price, and you know Chad was a big big orchestrator in that, and I'm sure he cut him some kind of deal to help him out as best he could, and you know they do all that for that university, and then one person's decision, one person who's not a great coach, sorry, don't care, negates people. all of it. And that's the world we live in. That's somebody, I'm not going to mention any names, but somebody keeps getting very critical. And he's a colleague of ours. Mm-hmm. He He's very critical of our baseball stadium because we have a synthetic home plate, synthetic hips. Now, granted, I I won't, I'm, and I still, and I'm very, look, Coach Lamonis, he gets tired of me saying it. Hey, I'll give you this if you'll give me that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because he wasn't here. So, John Cohen was the coach. We built the field. Andy Canizero came in. Everybody knows what happened with that. He got fired. And then uh, Coach Lamonis came in. So, he didn't have any really – and Coach Lamonis, here's what you got to understand that I'm fighting every day. 
Coach Moorhead was here in football, came from Penn State. Phenomenal grass, right? Yep. He comes down here. He loves everything we're doing. He's a very nice guy. Turns out to not so be – can't make it in this league. So now we bring in Coach Leach. So my top two coaches, football and baseball, Indiana, full synthetic. Ooh. Washington, synthetic. Texas Tech, synthetic. I, I, I keep stressing to my kids every day, we're fighting synthetic every day we come to work. Yeah. But anyway, that decision is way above my pay grade. And what I tell everybody, and I try to make them understand that, that, that it, was, it wasn't necessarily a compromise as it was, I didn't win the war, but I won the battle. Yes, yeah. may, it may encase my field, but the actual surface and playing surface, other than on play, is 100% natural. And I don't know why he keeps getting critical at me about that on Twitter, but I just – it's really aggravating to me because that's out of my hands. And, look, our coaching staff now wants our logo. So, this is this is the university logo, right? Yep, yep, yep. The and, then, and then you've got – we're the only school that has different logos for different sports, and they're kind of funny. But, anyway, and then, of course, this is Love our baseball one. logo. Yep. And it's uh, – yeah, the interlocking M over S is gorgeous. So, anyway, when we built the field – we spent all that money and we put the word marks down the hips. If you next time you see a picture, you'll notice this yep. Mississippi State banner down both sides. Well, Coach Lamonis and them want them over S, which I kind of questioned why we did that and not did the M over S when we built it. But he wants it behind home plate. And I said, Hey, I can make that happen for you. I can make it happen really quick, too, if you let me rip out that turf home plate, and put dirt back in and dirt baseline. Because I want, you know, it just from an aerial yeah, view, no, it looks absolutely. more like a baseball diamond with the dirt baselines and everything else. And our kids, what we're learning is when our kids round third, if they make a big swooping pass out into the synthetic turf, just, the transition, yes, the transition from dirt to synthetic when they lay on the brakes, it cost us a ball game a few years ago because he his feet just came smooth out of that. Rubber went everywhere. <laughs> Yep, it was like hitting a water slide. Yep. So, but anyway, yeah, I mean, of course, our first scenario, our first want is to put dirt and, and baselines and home plate back. So, you know, I don't know why people get critical of me, and they do it all the time. Our fans I think are I, like, ah! I think I know, yeah, exactly, I think I know exactly who you're talking about. I guarantee I could you could be because it's critical yeah. of everybody. But I mean, yeah, well, yeah, we won't get into that. Um, my thing is like though, like in the foul territory, like is it really like obviously not up into the base path, but foul territory at a collegiate level, that's not like the worst thing ever, you know? Like no, and it, it, it is now I will take up for that because back in the day and the way, especially ours, and most baseball stadiums now with the agilities and now the teams come out and do their conditioning and warm-ups during the opposing team, like, all right, so we're at home, so we take BP first. While, you know, 20 minutes left of our batting practice, the just say Missouri, that's who we have here tonight again. Missouri is stretching and getting loose over there. Now, if you do that 35 times throughout the season, the grass is already in the shade because of the walls of the stadium naturally and the way that our stadium's oriented. We were struggling to grow grass. I mean, we would go through seed after seed after seed trying to keep that ryegrass growing in those areas, and you know how that goes. After so long, you've gotten beat down. You know, we used to have walk-ups. I wish I could show the camera this on, on our old – I don't know if I – I don't have enough cord. But um, 
we had walk-ups. We had the ammo yeah, rest behind gotcha. the whole play. It's, you know, it's just – it was a typical baseball stadium. And that's what, you know, I want to get back to. But we struggled to grow grass down those sides once they incorporated that new – you know, used to we'd have the field until 2.30, 3 o'clock every day under Coach Polk back in the day when recruiting and, you know, restrictions were a lot more. Now we've got, oh, you can do this, you can do early work, you can do – you know, you can do all those things, which is fine. But it adds to the wear and tear of the field. And that's a lot of the reason these collegiate teams are going to more sort of synthetic surface because it doesn't tell on you as much, in my opinion. It doesn't show the wear and tear as quick if you overuse it. And that's, you know, that's one reason some of these coaches like it because they can flirt with the the gray areas of compliance issues, I, I guess. Uh, so, And like you said, obviously you would prefer natural. But, again, like if you're talking about fair territory and you're going to – yeah, so like, South Carolina, <laughs> South Carolina, you know, we played there this weekend, Clark Cox and Donnie and all those guys. They've got the the halo, extended halo. Isn't it just the yeah. halo? Yeah. yeah right. I mean, just like it, cuts it, it makes no sense to fight that if you can help it. You know, Ole Miss has it in theirs. Uh, a lot of places have it in theirs. And, and, and again, I'm going to I'm going to say something about our league. It's different. We have more camps, seems like. We have more, you know, longer camps. We have to raise money to pay the volunteers and all that kind of stuff. And You're SEC baseball, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's, I, yeah. It's a different animal. Everything in this conference is different. It's, it's, it's just different. So, um, it makes it tough. But, you know, there's a place for it. There's no doubt there's a place for it. The only one school that I would have loved to seen, only one have it. Is Kentucky. I mean, they, you know, they get 30 inches of snow a year or something like that in our conference. They would personally, that's the only one I think should have on their baseball field. Gotcha. Yeah. And like even Blacksburg, when we were there, like, I didn't understand it. I mean, it, Y'all got a, we had you got a phenomenal turf program up there. So you got the best, one of the best exactly. in the business so, in Goatley. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so. What happened was the Boston College coach came down to Virginia Tech, and being up in Boston College, the artificials they're jam, you know. And that's so sad. Like, that is hey, that is my biggest. You know, I don't want to. It is so disheartening to people in our industry, especially the kids coming up through my assistants and and my turf students. To put forth all this work, just like Casey, can you imagine? I mean, I, I've I talked to him about it. Lost. I've it. talked to him about it a thousand times, and I just don't. We're basing decisions off of one person. That that is my number one. Here you go, kids. My number one gripe, my number one pet peeve in this entire industry is that it's not based off of expertise, knowledge. Hey, what works best for the school? It's off of, hey, what does this coach say it's going to cost us to make make us win a national championship? And that every time is going to outweigh what I have to say, what you have to say, what I don't. George Toma has to say. Okay. It's just how it works in this industry in the world we live in in college athletics. Now, it's not always like that in the pros or high school, parks and rec, stuff like that. Apparently but, it is because the Panthers are going with it. Yeah, um, and they claim that on uh, monetary usage and stuff like that. Yeah, for, for, extra, for extra shows income. and whatnot. It's like, no. You run it not, up, it's going to be more expensive. Right, you know, yeah. That slash the whole thing. Like, I mean, Minnesota, I saw they re- had to redo their in, their – turf indoor after two years 
talking about 1.5. It was probably more like 2 million being at a professional stadium and you're going <coughs> to redo it every two years. Like, and then you got the whole thing with the NFL probably in the next two years saying you have to have natural grass and they're all going to panic, you know, like, well, I hope that does happen just because, you know, there are enough experts in this industry and STMA has really helped spread awareness towards that. And, you know, people like you and this podcast and stuff, yeah, they're going to go viral. Somebody that may not have been interested in the turf is going to get into it. I hope we can all help, help try to bring that in. You know, our numbers kind of fail here at the university with turf kids for a while. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, okay, they look at it and say, Oh, well, I'm going to graduate college with all this student loan debt and whatnot. And I'm only going to be making this. So it goes back to what an hour ago when we, when I first told you, if you're in this for the money, you're in for the wrong reasons. Now, yes, it's gotten better. For sure it's gotten better. And that, that's one thing I'm here is that I don't fight for me. I fight for my guys. I fight for my guys. My guys are doing the work. I'm pointing them in the right direction. They're doing the work. The work y'all see, those videos, there's a reason I wasn't doing any of that anymore. One, my back and my neck has just gone out because I can't – looking down painting for so long, so many years, all this stuff, it, it, it's, it's taking a toll on my body. But that's where my assistants come in. They're some the best in the business when it comes to executing what we do for a living daily on these fields. And there are enough people like us in this country – that these protests, I don't care what it is. Look at Travis Hogan. Look at look at Kansas City. Look at all these places that have just trust me. Yeah, the the Northeast and the North Midwest, everything they got ice and they got snow. Guess what? We got a grass for you. We got a grass that can handle. Amen. Yep. Well, it's hundred degrees in Florida. It's it's hundred percent humidity in Louisiana. Guess what? We got a grass for you. Your boy Munchal, he's got. I mean, he's working on all of it, and that's. He says the genetics is going to be the that's game changer it. for the that's, future. That's know? what and I that's... keep trying to tell these people. Anytime somebody says, "Well, I'm leaning towards synthetic," no, you really shouldn't. You're, if if a college athlete blows out a knee as a sophomore, guess what? The university is going to invest the money in to protect that kid surgery, rehab, whatever, blah, blah, nutrition. You know, these kids are – they're they're pampered and they are, you know, used like machines. They're going to yeah, invest yeah. that money in them. That's not going to happen for a high school athlete. That high school athlete blows yeah. his ankle out or blows his his knee or ACL out because your field was that, – that synthetic field tore that lower extremity up. He goes home to mama and daddy, yeah. and mama and daddy tell him he can't play anymore, or he's probably not going to get to play have again. To pay for the medical bills and everything with that. Like, my this is what blows my mind about everything is the fact that they don't understand that the the the, the artificial turf with the sand and the crumb rubber, and if you pay an extra three hundred thousand dollars, you have a half inch cushion between crushed concrete which is pretty much rolled to concrete. concrete like exactly that's that's what i mean i'm sorry but it's you're talking about less than half an inch of your your child playing on a concrete that's what their seat. head is like, hitting exactly so that's what i i don't understand why when parents are like oh we need to get artificial turfs this is great i'm like it's concrete oh i mean you're talking about this yep. between that and concrete yep. and, and look and by the way, the stuff that we have in our county, you can tear it in half very easily, yeah. you know, and that's without moisture. Like, 
What do you think happens? Yep. <laughs> and no, no offense to no offense to our, the people taking care of it. They're told you don't have to take care of it. Oh, they're told it's they told they, they, they told it's maintenance free twice a month. And they're uh, sorry. I'm sorry. They are told it's maintenance free. It is not. You me tell you what it is. It is not maintenance friendly. Meaning everything you do to it that you have to do to it is degrading those fibers and deteriorating those fibers to the point where you're taking away the lifespan of that field. That's why they recommend don't grooming it once, but once a month, don't do this, don't do that. Why? Because you're, you're costing the lifespan of that field. You're shortening that lifespan so much. That's why they say it's maintenance free and it's not, it has just as much maintenance. We spend, you're supposed to drag it once a week. Look, We've got you know? all right, So that synthetic home plate that I get busted yeah. about yeah, yeah. all over Twitter and everything. We have to, it's we so have annoying. to power broom it. We have to clean the white. Yep. We have to, cause we do have dirt We the dirt, the white lines get dirty. They get crooked. We have to tease them back. We have to do all that stuff. We have to make sure it doesn't get too compacted where they do have, we do a shorthand version of tamping where we put crumb rubber in. We, uh, to fill in the holes because they do start packing in. Oh, we have to take them up. They're velcroed in. Take them up, fix the gravel underneath it. Replace it them. is not maintenance free by any stretch of the imagination. It's not. So, the my one you of my, and I are we're just we're just venting. Yeah, we're doing the SEC I, vent right I, now. I told you. I told you I needed somebody to talk to. So anyway, yeah, the uh, we're here for it. One of our this is I had a coach call me. He was from somewhere over in Alabama. I'm not going to mention who or a name. They were going to put synthetic turf on his football field. And he called me about two weeks after one of our football games. And he said, you know what? I changed my mind. And he said, I said, well, I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the board and the board of supervisors and everybody's happy that you're not going to waste city money on synthetic turf. I was like, but if you don't mind me asking, what changed your mind? He said, it wasn't nothing you said. I was like, well, I appreciate it. And uh, he said, uh, he said, I was watching y'all's ball game this weekend. And at the time we had Garrett Schrader. Uh, if y'all, I, I, the sports dissected people were here a couple of weeks ago and they just put out both those episodes. Yeah, uh, the football one was this week. And I, I don't know if he put it in there. I hadn't watched it yet, but anyway, I don't know if he put it in, but I explained the same thing in there. So Garrett is a big old boy now. He got a beard like you, about down out here, hanging out by his helmet. Yeah, that's nice. I cut, by the way. I cut seven and, uh, inches off last week. Woo! I hear you. Yeah, I my wife wouldn't let me walk in the door if I had it that long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, when Garrett Garrett came around the end, and you know these new college kids, they 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 think they got to jump over everything. Well, it was one of those helicopter plays. Garrett ends up. Above my head, he's over six feet off the ground, parallel to the to the field, spinning like this. And when he hits, that sand deadens his head. My wife got mad at me. I've watched, I played it back on the TV 30 times Sunday while I was sitting there. I was like, she's like, what are you looking at? I was like, watch his head. All you got to do is watch his head. So when Garrett landed flat as a pancake, his head did not come up off of that that uh, grass, maybe an inch at best. Can you imagine what his head would have done on a synthetic field with limestone packed eight inches deep? His face mask would have hit his hit his chest bone, and he would have been oh no doubt out for at least two weeks with a concussion. He uh, got up. With that. He got up and played the next play. 
And that is one of my proudest moments to know that that sand-based field, now I've got anywhere from 12 to 20 inches, depending on where you are on the field, of sand. There's no gravel under the actual playing surface, but there is under the outside on on the side where my water comes off. Um, but that's one of the proudest things. I hope I never forget it. I'm going to try to save that video. But when that kid, I'm telling you, this athlete, 6'5", 200 pounds, whatever, is spinning in a circle six feet off the ground and lands flat as a pancake. And when he does, his head does not come off that field. That's when I, I won. I just saved him two more weeks of playing because of that one play because his head did not – he doesn't have a concussion. He probably his eyes would have exactly. been he would have been seeing stars if he'd have been on synthetic. And the next the next thing to that is is his life after football. It it, it doesn't you. come into play. It doesn't come into play when people make these decisions, you know. And it's funny because different people complain about well, how the hell did you get an, an artificial turf field? It's like a million dollars. Well, it's the school systems that are deciding. Okay, well we're going to put this here because it's easy one time thing and we can do that. You know, it's. It, do, it blows my mind how people just assume and make the assumption like, oh, no maintenance, easy to take care of. It's safe for the players because that guy who sold it to me said it was. We're going with this. When you're you're making so many different decisions from the data that's given about like, it's like 40% more likely with a lower extremity injury. Like, and again, it's concrete. Less than two inches. Hey, Drew, you know what? Away from you know what's underneath our indoor. You know what's underneath ninety nine percent of every indoor facility in the con- not only in the conference but in the country, concrete. No. And then you got yeah. maybe maybe a pad if they spend the money. So you got a pad, and then That's you got I mean. the carpet. The pad's four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and then you got the carpet it's backing, insane. and then you got maybe 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 an inch, Standing. inch inch and a quarter of of rubber. I don't personally, me knowing what I know, my kids will know. I will tell I hope I don't have to eat those words, but I will no, I do my you. best to not let my kids play on that kind of stuff, especially something that has concrete under it. And what's it's still, it's still more and more things. The heat. If my kid is playing on a 170 degree hot box, you know. Do you expect that kid to be well hydrated enough to be okay? Well, I mean, I've seen people melt their sh- cleats. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's just that's just a 98 degree day. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not like it's out of the blue or anything. That's just normal for artificial fields. Everyone's like, oh no, we'll change it to coconut. It'll be better. No, it's the plastic fibers that heat up. Like, what? It, maybe it's 10 degrees less. It's still 160. It doesn't matter. Degrees. It doesn't matter what you it do doesn't. to it. And, you know, and then people have played with the irrigation systems on top of it. And, and then you get the steam conversion. It gets even hotter. Yeah. Five and minutes just, of cool, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. You better turn that around on the fans and cool them down instead of, you know, not, not putting it on there. But anyway, our home plate. So our catchers and I'll do it. We're going to host a regional here because our baseball teams, whatever, number four in the country, number two, whatever they are this week. Um, We'll end up hosting regional, which now I, you know, um, it is May and our day gun weather has just been mother nature, all you can say. Um, but anyway, it the last time we hosted a regional here on that home plate, I had temperatures at 10 o'clock in the morning, anywhere from 10 to 2 o'clock, upwards of 168 to 170 degrees on top of that home plate. Now, our catcher has to sit there for nine innings, both catchers, not just ours. 
Both kids have to sit on that and the umpire. It's worse on the umpire than it is those kids that are in the greatest shape of their life, you know? So, and these people making these decisions, it, it's, some of them have a legit reason. Most of them don't. But at this level, there's so much money involved that, like I said, you know, here's the good thing about, the, you know, the best thing about synthetic turf, it comes out a lot easier than it goes in. I was going to say you can rip it out in two seconds. And you've, you've got free, <laughs> you got free gravel ready to go right underneath there. So. Hey. <laughs> now we do, hey, I did build Duty Noble with the same limestone, 57 and 89 stone. That's one reason my field drains so good is because we didn't have access to wash gravel or anything that would bridge with our sand. So gotcha. we ended up using 57 topped with 89 stone. and. Gotcha. And then that's all all the way across that surface, even on, even under the dirt. So everything I built that field with, I had gotten my rear end chewed for 10 years. The old fields with me and John Cohen, him as a coach. He he made sure I knew. And then when it came time, he was an AD and I'm still here in my spot. Yeah. He said, here it is. You build it like we've always wanted to. He didn't ask <laughs> any questions. And guess what? I gave him some change back from the number he gave me. I made sure I had more drainage than I would ever need. <laughs> I even put open top drains around the tarp where the tarp sits. Gotcha, that gotcha, way, if gotcha. we ever get into a long three or four day rain period and it is starting to run off that tarp pretty heavily, we can pull those open top drains and get that water off the surface. Right We've never had to use them. We've never had to use them at drain so well. That's so, awesome. You do it right, it, it tends to reward you. Well, we could talk for hours, and I know you got to get to baseball. We went a little over. I apologize for that. No, I've I've been thoroughly enjoyed it. We cannot I can sit here all night talk. Yeah, yeah. We can't thank you enough for taking the time. Um, hopefully, we'll see you at STMA this year. Hopefully, that we're hopefully we're there. I if the CDC just said we're we're clear, I hope that that means that there's going to be an event. But we'll, we'll I think see. a lot. I think there's going to a lot be changed between now and the fall. You know, I mean, winter, January, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in the world that we live in, in college athletics, especially, you know, we took a thirty-one million dollar hit. Now, just not by having football season. So, yeah, I know that's that sounds like a lot of money, but in comparison to Alabama, I think they took right at eighty million. So, it college so, athletics took a. a a huge hopper off huge. the chin, yeah. So, yeah, sure. so we need, we need, and we were fortunate. You know, nobody got furloughed. No, not yep. a single employee at this university got furloughed, or athletics got furloughed. You know, that's kudos to our people and our CFOs at Take the top care. managing yes, every yeah. dollar. So, kudos to them, and and I tell them all the time. Anytime I can give them a shout out, those guys are rock stars. I mean, they may. I'm, I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. And they make me blush because they got numbers on numbers <laughs> on numbers. So, anyway, but, yeah, I've had a uh, great time, Drew. I hope to do it again with you sometime. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe we'll do something down at STMA. We'll do a live thing or something. Right? Hey, yeah, let's go. I'm yeah, all for it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks again. We can't thank you enough. Oh, yeah.